You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. Hello, retro movie lovers, and welcome back to this colossal size edition of the Movie Graveyard. This one was so big, I had to call in a huge team of movie grave diggers, and we got some great familiar faces back here in the graveyard. As always, whenever I take on a giant monster movie, I call in the experts, and tonight we got Bird and Matt from the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Guys, welcome back. Thanks for having us, man. I appreciate it, especially for this particular movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's good to be back, and um, <laughs> we've I for we first mentioned this probably a couple of years ago now. Yeah, probably doing like this movie two years and ago. <laughs> it's finally here. Yeah, was it on a different movie graveyard podcast? Uh, yeah, I think I. I think uh, I think it was Godzilla ninety. No, well, I think I we might have mentioned it on Godzilla '98, but I think I think it was before that we did the big hit. Yeah, and we were talking, and you know, there's the whole thing with King Kong lives, and then I I was like, this movie is perfect for this for movie graveyard because it's like the exact kind of movies that you do, and then go to, then said he never saw it, and I was like, okay, well, fix that. <laughs> <laughs> and when when whenever you fix that, uh, let me know because we 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 need to talk about this. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> lo and behold, two years later, here we are, partially due to this movie's uh, just complete face dive into obscurity which i'm <laughs> i'm sure we'll talk about a little bit for sure and last but not least we have another longtime friend of the show he's been on the movie graveyard he's been on kaiju transmissions he's been on everything all over the internet i'm happy to bring back film aficionado and kaiju lover as well jelly jelly welcome back my friend what's up glad to be here yeah i think the last time i was here was was that godzilla 98 right um, we did Gorgo. Yeah, we here. Oh, we're here we for did. Gorgo. We yeah, okay. that's the one that Matt slept through. <laughs> yeah, Matt missed that one. That's what happened. And we were like, I guess we'll just do it without. We'll do it without him. Guys, I have a confession. I almost it almost happened tonight. I put my my kid to bed, and like I lay down in his bed with him for a quick sec, and like I almost fell asleep. <laughs> I woke up at like ten twenty. I'm like, oh. This that would have just been so too. fitting because Matt, the last time you and I recorded, I think I I, I thought I killed you. Um, I, I woke <laughs> up and I had like twenty five like I have text messages and phone calls and like people it was calling the, me from Facebook. I'm like they never text me. What's going on? Matt's Matt's brain broke during uh, Kaiju Transmissions October this year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He had to get everybody. he had to get he had to get turned off and then turned back on again. It's true. Yeah, we uh, we're coming back. Listen, go. We I, we're coming out of hiatus on our show, and we're not even going to premiere on our show. We're instead coming to you. That's and right. And this is going to be our kickoff in the new year. But but, but you, you guys you guys been cranking it out for years. I think you were uh, you're well deserving of a little bit of a break. You know what I mean? 
Well, to be fair, Bird's uh, Bird's been talking about this for like three months, and we committed to doing it earlier than this, and the hiatus hit, and then we were kind of right. like, well, at least at least Bird will shut up about it now. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know when you plan on releasing it, but it's whenever. Well, I guess whenever you release it, it's uh, closer to the Godzilla versus Kong release exactly. date than would have been. <laughs> we'll, we'll be releasing probably mere days before it, it premieres, so we can definitely get into all that. We'll go ahead and get the movie rolling. Uh, me and Bird are rolling off the U.S. DVD, the long out-of-print U.S. DVD. So we have a positive 32-second mark. It's a black screen. Uh, Jelly and Matt are rolling off their U.K. copies. So they have a slightly different timestamp, but it's around the same. So we'll try to keep all these versions synced up. That's right. We do it old school in the movie Graveyard. Everybody has to come to the, the, the table with their own copy. We don't do this, everybody share a file, everybody do this. We're old school. We're crusty. We got DVDs and players <laughs> like it's 1998 <laughs> over here. <laughs> so anyway, we have a pause on the black screen. It's after the Studio Canal or Canal Plus <laughs> logos. <laughs> after the DEG <laughs> Lion head, everything, black screen. I'm going to say one, two, three, go. When I say go, please hit play on your remotes, your PlayStation 3 controllers, or your mice and keyboards, whatever you do to hit play. Everybody. I love that you said PlayStation 3. <laughs> there was a long time. There was a long time when both me and Trev were rolling off this podcast with both of us PlayStation 3 controllers in hand. So it's a long, you know, time honor tradition. All right, everybody. One, two, three, go. And now we are witnessing greatness. <laughs> All right, yeah, so this is a flashback from Kong 76. Remember when movies used to do this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like we're, every Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we're, we're rolling in on the Sean Cunningham vibe of King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great way to, uh, to, to, you know, pad out your running time an extra five minutes. Because, like, to, to come up with five whole new minutes of a movie... Like even on a low budget movie, that's still a hundred thousand grand at least. So if you can get away with just showing five, especially big budget minutes of a previous movie, I think you're doing pretty good. I'll tell you what the the suit the 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 ape suit in this part, you know, you, you could walk into a big problem showing like the ape suit and the effects from this part and contrasting them with your new stuff. But in terms of the makeup effects and the ape suit itself, it, it's definitely different, but like, I think they, they hold up against one another decently. Yeah. And, uh, for this, uh, the Kong 76, that's the great Rick Baker, uh, is in that suit and made that suit. I was always curious how he did that, and if you guys know anything about that, is how would he maintain the suit throughout a shooting day? Because as you guys know, these suits have to be, you know, things happen, damage happens. How would he know if something was going on with the suit if he was, like, strapped into it all day? That's a good question. I I really I, I have no idea. Yeah. Because, like, you know, the the newer Alien movies with Woodruff and Gillis, one of them was in the suit, but there was always the other one that was constantly readjusting it in between yeah. takes, so... Yeah. I gotta say, uh, I gotta say, like I was saying, you know, before we start recording, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but you know, um, 
my mom's water originally broke during a second run showing of Kong 76. So I feel like true story. I, I, I feel like, you know, I like, like this movie holds a special kid. so like, this definitely was my King Kong, like, so to speak, you know, Kong 76 helped uh, bring you. Into yeah. The world. Apparently it was all the bass and rumbling of the theater. Most likely. Um, yeah, I, uh, this is going to be a podcast of, uh, maybe some unconventional takes and uh, people will definitely learn more about this movie than they ever wanted to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, my controversial take, uh, I, I, I'm sort of a newer, uh, new, newer, I've come around on this movie quite a bit uh, in the last couple of years. Um, just because I, I just kind of learned to love it for, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to say love it, but I've learned to enjoy it a lot more just on the strength of its own absurdity, which both intentional and unintentional. Um, I guess my hot take is, look, I'm not crazy. Well, I, I know 76 is probably a better made movie. I mean, it looks gorgeous. The score is wonderful. It's a lavish production. But even as a kid, the 76 always, like, just bored me so much. So I think I prefer King Kong Lives. Yeah, that's, man, I, I feel I don't like know if it's for the right reasons. It's not a question <laughs> for me. Of, yeah, of that's, a, that's a... Go ahead, Tom. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, it's not a question for me. It's, you know, what I what I rather, we've talked about this before on, on many podcasts, right? Would I rather watch a movie that's that's just kind of there? Um, I mean, we, we talked about it before we started recording a little bit. You're like, you're like 100 minutes into the 76 Kong movie before it starts to get good, which is all the stuff in New York is actually pretty good. Um you, this movie is just wall to wall insane. I mean, right right now we're watching King Kong on life support. Like, what? You know, I'd I'd rather watch a movie that is just insane and crazy and and this than than something that's classy and well done, but just just kind of boring. And uh, and yeah, this is this is um, I used to watch this movie all the time as a kid. Um, and you know, yeah, I, I kind of lost it, I guess I'll say, but I came back to it and yeah, this is, um, it's definitely better than the 76 one for me, for, for entertainment purposes, for sure. Yeah. I'm very much on the same page as Bird and Tom on this. And the fact that Kong 76, I just, I do find very boring and this movie is the opposite of that. Um, also it's something that I grew up with, right? I watched this movie countless times for whatever reason. I mean, I remember going to blockbuster RIP video stores, uh, and renting all the time, this movie and seeing it on TV. And whenever it came on, I watched and it's one of those things that I have a ton of nostalgia for. I'm sure that's part of my, uh, affection towards it. But like, I genuinely just like this movie warts and all. Yeah, for me, coming, you know, like, I never saw this movie when it came out. Um, 
like I remember like if anything at the time it came out like I know the movie gets you know a lot of lulls online but this was before the ages of memes and whatnot I remember this movie kind of universally kind of not even so much getting panned for its quality but I remember more the attitude that it was laughed at because it was just a ridiculous premise that it was King Kong lives. <laughs> like, I think if they just would have done, like, another Kong creature from the same island or something, I'd, I think this film might have had a better chance. Um, because it's one of those movies where it's like they definitively take back the ending of the previous movie. You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's also, too, it's like, it's like, yeah, you could have, like, maybe gotten away with it more if, like, the ending wasn't so definitive, like, if there wasn't a previous King Kong, but, like, we all know, like, at that time when people went to see a remake, like, they, they went to see a remake, they didn't really want to see a deviation, so the original, he dies at the end, and the 76 version, he does die at the end, and then for this one to be like, oh, no, wait, he's here, and he's getting, I remember the heart transplant really got made fun of, hardcore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things that like made me come around on this is uh, I a, 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 one of my a, like I have a couple friends that were like, it's a Japanese monster movie. Like, look at the think about the premise and how <laughs> ridiculous it is. And if it was made in Japan, with, you know, with the same screenplay. Japanese actors, do you, would people feel differently? Like you know, you, you know, like people people talk about King Kong escapes, you know, with a giant mechanical, you know, Mecha Kong, and it's like, okay, I this 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 definitely has the absurdity of, you know, most of the Japanese monster movies we all we all like, and. That was kind of a new way of thinking about it. And yeah, we have well, Lady you guys Kong. Been yapping yeah. over, we got introduced to Lady Kong. Yeah, <laughs> and we know Which, she's uh, a lady. How? Oh, she got some big old titties. <laughs> <laughs> Which For I always sure. felt kind of weird about, but I mean, like, like female gorillas do kind of ha- they do have, you know, boobs. So I. That's right. So we can say King Kong Lives is actually 100% medically accurate. (laughs) And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this takes place like years and years after the 70s movie. It's 10 years. So how did they keep his body? That was going to be one of my questions. (laughs) I mean, I I think they can like feed him and stuff. I think it's just literally he can't move because if he does, his heart will give out. He's just that weak, you know. So in terms of in terms of how they came up with a, a lady Kong is I mean we can't we can't get I don't I don't know maybe maybe Bird or someone has more information but basically they they wrote a, like De Laurentiis wanted to do a sequel immediately yeah he, for a he long, wanted very to do long. a sequel like all along and a number of scripts were written apparently they had something about king kong attacking russia something about king kong going to outer space which yeah there there were a lot of ideas uh (laughs) ideas that they batted around i I don't know if any anything ever got a full screenplay but um at one point uh he wanted to cross it over with orca and do king kong versus orca um King Kong in Africa was another one. King Kong in Moscow. Um, yeah. Six Million Dollar Man was big, so Bionic Kong was another one. And then uh, even even things like um, 
kind of a, a loose remake of Son of Kong, where it would be like, oh, you know, we, we found another one. Uh, but for whatever reason, Dino was really insistent, uh, no, it has to be, like, the King Kong. Right, and so then when they when they kind of beat their heads against that, they came up with this idea of getting a... Uh, blood infusion from a from a another member of his species and they actually said Dino was skeptical of that idea cuz like you said bird he wanted it to just be like another King Kong movie um and they're like well if it has to be a sequel and we said King Kong died we have to figure out how he lived again um they said so we get a transfusion from a female and Dino didn't like that idea but they said all they had to do was sit down with him for a second and be like hey Dino you know of course there's females. He had to have a mother and Dino was like, Oh, I never thought of that. So yeah, go with it. <laughs> Dino thought he was like, uh, the face, like the aliens from alien. He was just created by himself. He popped out. Yeah, of Dino, somewhere. He's all about that. That, that original Kong. Like, what, what was, what's that? When, when my monkey die, everybody cry. Yeah. I don't know if that's how he talked, but, Oh, it's it's like, I, I thought mean, it was him on the line that, for a second. So it's like, <laughs> my version of an Italian. That's ass. enough of the direct quote. Like, I mean, he he didn't like the direct quote is not in perfect English, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I do like that the the screenwriter. Um, let me get his name right here. Uh, Stephen Pressfield <laughs> says, uh, "Hang on, let me let me get the exact quote too." He says, "Quote." They, we even give a nod to women's lib. <laughs> <laughs> the smallest nod possible we should with, have. <laughs> with Lady Kong falling for the male scientist. Yeah. So that's that's what he considers to be the women's lib message of this movie. Not that they have a female scientist who's one of the main protagonists who drives a lot of the action. Nope, that they, they gave a... a female ape who has a lady boner for a male scientist who's a human yeah oh my gosh these are the kind of people making this movie (laughs) and make Um, it they did yeah we're we're in a lull in the action now so uh, why not talk more did you know this movie uh, by the way was produced basically at the same time by the same company, De Laurentiis Entertainment Group, as Blue Velvet. Yes, that makes sense. You're, you're juggling multiple projects. You got Dennis Hopper snorting gas over here. You know, and then and then you have you know King Kong getting heart surgery over here. I gotta say though, and this is clearly the 43 year old man coming out of me. But like when when you know you watch these kind of ridiculous romps sometimes, I feel like it cheapens the movie when they just get to the action like right away. Like all those like scenes of Linda Hamilton having to uh, you know convince a board of what the best medical course of action for King Kong would be and stuff. Like I actually appreciate that now as a an adult trying to watch this. I appreciate that there is a little bit of a slow build up and even like shit like this where they show the the transfusion machines and stuff like these were giant tanks and props and you know i don't know how much of its real equipment how much of it was props but like look, i mean look at I'm guys sure we're, the, we're looking sure at hundreds the, of uh, gallons of blood here coming through <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure the uh comically huge uh bags of blood and <laughs> stuff is all all legit. Up like an oil tanker of blood <laughs> 
But I gotta say that, like, in this day and age, and we were just talking about this, you know, off mic, in this day and age of Marvel presses a button and anything is possible, and it all kind of, like, just feels like this ephemeral, like, you know, cartoon, whatever. Like, I, I actually appreciate that, you know, we're, we're in this giant medical facility. I mean, this scene alone, like, you know, with the doctors and surgeons, I mean, this is like a hundred people legit on set. You know what I mean? So, and this I, crazy fake heart that they like yeah. prop that they had to have built. Like, oh, yeah. The, when I saw them lowering the fake heart in on a crane, I was like, okay, now this movie's, you know, got something. It kind of, that was the hook that brought me in. And I, I got to say, too, like, um, you know, sometimes you you can't judge, like, a movie really sometimes by the DVD copy. And I got to say, for for this being a, a, a an ancient standard of DVD, it comes all across fairly well, I think. And I was surprised, like, this movie actually has some, in my opinion, like, A-list cinematography. Like, it doesn't really look like, you know, a super shit. Like, like it don't look like a canon movie or anything of the time. Like, it looks like an A-list <laughs> picture, at least, you know, visually. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. Um, yeah, 1986. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like all the it's for why it took so long tools. to make a sequel. Um, I don't think anyone really knows, but I mean, I think uh, the Kong rights going to Universal definitely had something to do with it. Um for those that don't know, I'll keep I'll do I'll do the least complicated version of the story. Um, if you want the more complicated version of the story, listen to the Kaiju Transmissions. Uh, is it your King Kong episode? Yeah, from the like one that we did. Uh, yeah, it's when we did '76 uh, and King Kong Lives. We did an episode about the Dino uh, Kongs, but Universal uh, were trying to make. Uh, a remake and um there was a, con- a convoluted legal battle with them and paramount who were making the uh the the 76 version paramount obviously are the ones that were able to um but after that um kong's rights went back to marion c cooper's estate and then his son just sold them to universal so Still to this day, Universal controls most of the IP rights to Kong. I think uh, there's some exceptions, like the other movies that have made been made with other studios and um, uh, publishing rights, uh, like so books and things like that are all still under the Cooper estate. But uh, but that's another thing. Um, the, 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 they were not on they weren't happy with Dino, obviously, you know, he, he made his Kong and that set theirs back and that didn't even get made till 2005. And then, uh, um, they were also mad at him for Orca because it was an obvious Jaws ripoff. And, um, so that could have something to do with it, but, uh, yeah, basically in the mid eighties, um, uh, he had bought Embassy Pictures, and um, yeah, that allowed him to form the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. So yeah, that's where you see that first wave of those movies. Like, there's this Blue Velvet, Dune. Um, so he was able to form his own full-fledged studio, um, 
And like we said, he always wanted to make another Kong. The 76 Kong is kind of like the Godzilla 98 in that it's remembered as a flop, but box office-wise, it was pretty successful. It's just like the studio spent so much money on other shit, (laughs) you know, that that they couldn't quite make up for that. Um, And so, yes, to to make this movie, he did have to uh, get the rights from Universal to make it, which is a similar thing that Legendary and Warner Brothers did with Skull Island and now Godzilla vs. Kong is that, you know, they had to get the rights from from Universal. Kong is kind of like a... It's weird because for as well-known as of uh, property as he is, he's all he's his movies are like like people rent him like he's on loan, right? And I, I think you kind of get that with some of these things that were created in the twenties and thirties, the way King Kong is. But the thing that's kind of miraculous to me about King Kong is, um, you know, there's like the reputation the movie has as far as like a film and what it did box office wise, and like I remember the pop culture impact of the of the Kong seventy six being like quite long lasting like it just was a movie that was like always at the video store it always played on tv i mean to the point where like you know in the late 80s when they built the theme park universal did a kong ride that was based all around 70 it wasn't just based around king kong the property it was based around kong 76 to the point where like the waiting line was like uh, a replication of like a uh, new york street and then the whole experience was kind of based and then like while you're in line like they would show fake news clips but then they would splice in the footage of king kong from the movie so i mean this like kong 76 i want to say in all honesty like it, it it stayed in the pop culture to some degree for like a good 20 years whereas like this film king kong lives and I wanted oh, wait, to... why, hold on. You're, we're, I'd start to interrupt. We, we're, in this like parade scene, there's a little black kid holding a Confederate flag. Uh, <laughs> oh, is there? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll see him. Oh, there, there, wait, there he is. There he is. Oh, there it he is. is. Right in front it of the is. camera. Wow. <laughs> I wonder why that was. Like, I mean, what did that represent? You know what I mean. <laughs> But uh, I was going to say, no, yeah, where, right. where this movie just kind of came and went, and, and I felt like yeah. the 76 film stayed in the pop culture longer than this film did. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And this movie was also made when Universal were was were doing a new ride, so, you know, they had something to, yeah. to you know, you know they, they had their back scratched, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Kong 76, I I think the Peter Jackson movie kind of, I don't want to say wiped it out, but I, now it's like, yeah, you know, people think of, of that a lot more, I think. Um, well, well, like, this is just kind of my memory, too, of being a younger kid in, this, in Kong 76 being around, but, like, I remember it was, like, and there's always been remakes, don't get me wrong, but at least at that time, it was kind of, like, you know, even though it was like '76, it was like the forebear, I guess, of like all those like remakes of fifty mo- '50s movies that they did in the '80s. And like, I remember Kong '76. It was like, it was kind of cool and novel that they remade a super old movie. You know what I mean? Because like they remade right. yeah. Kong '76, right? Wasn't it about a little over forty years since the original Kong, the Willis O'Brien yeah. one? Yeah. So, yeah, there was actually, like, a novelty. Like, it was interesting to people. Like, oh, you know, like, why would you do a movie twice? Like, you know. yeah. Those are the kinds of remakes I don't have a huge, huge issue with, right? When 
when the technology not not even just the technology but also the sensibility changes so so much like give me a shot and like how much of a remake is the 76 movie from the 33 movie i mean they're they're different enough right like I mean, it's obviously a remake, but, you know, they're not going to film a movie anymore. They're going to get oil and all that. I mean, there's enough, like, little differences and things that it it, it it's its own thing, you know? I do want to say that surgery scene we just saw. Someone uh, had the job of making, like, those absurdly large, like, <laughs> medical tweezers and <laughs> giant cotton balls and so and again put that in a japanese monster movie no one would blink (laughs) yeah so i I guess just to catch up to speed the importance of the plot right now he's had his heart surgery and you know like because they had to get the blood from the female she's like uh, somewhat nearby on this compound so they're smelling each other now and this is where like the uh gorilla romance kind of starts happening here (laughs) And, and, like, that's what's great about this movie is it's not just a King Kong ripoff. It's, like, legit, you know, like I told you guys, I, I personally really like, no matter how ridiculous, truth in advertising. And this film is truth in advertising because it is King Kong lives. Like, it wasn't just that they put a heart in him. He's living. He's living a life. He's he's going <laughs> he's to have a dream. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have a wife. He's going to have a child. He's living, a, a, you know. Might might we add, uh, well, I guess, I don't know, we can kind of get into it a little bit, just of how this movie, what making it was like, um, but for those uh, who may have paid attention to the opening credits, yes, that is uh, uh, Alien and Total Recall co-writer Ron Shusett, who <laughs> uh, co-wrote <laughs> this screenplay as well, Um. Mostly because he was he did Total Recall with uh, with with uh, with Dino and um, like if you look at what he how he conceived this movie is he wanted it he didn't want it to be as straight faced as it I think it turned out um, you know because he just knew the premise was absurd and uh, he said that. Um, uh, in writing it, he looked at Raiders of the Lost Ark, where, and he's quoted as saying, it's sort of a spoof of an action movie, but it's also a traditional action movie. Um, so that kind of gives you wh- an idea of what the page was like. But uh, ad- the actors, various producers uh, found it challenging to really kind of nail that tone. Um, like some people involved, including uh, Martha Schumacher, one of the producers, said that, you know, it's a serious movie. Uh, it's not a joke. Um, it was taken very seriously. Uh, and then uh, Brian Kerwin, who plays the male lead, um, he said that, uh, you know, the attitude on set was nobody was making a joke about it at all. Um, and preview audiences were just confused. You know, people weren't sure if they should, <laughs> if it was supposed to be funny or not. And I, I think, I think part of that is like this movie has s- some pretty drastic tonal shifts. And I don't, I just, I don't know if, you know, once that script was written, I don't know. It just seems like everyone kind of had different ideas about what it should be. Um, I think the casting plays a part in that too. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, Brian Kerwin can say, or yeah, he can say that, like, 
it's not, you know, no one was joking about it or whatever, but like he's kind of a, a doofus and a goofbag, right? And then like, then you got Linda Hamilton, who's just like too damn good an actress to like <laughs> be in this movie, to, to be <laughs> campy and over the top. But then you have John Ashton as the the antagonist, who is he's like, like plugged in from like an episode of like the Batman sixty six <laughs> or something. Yeah, so like you've got you've got some casting that's just kind of all over the place, right? That like, um, and and who's this? The, the the guy um the like the the balding guy yeah yeah he's like kind of a goofy presence also so like you you got some casting that's a little bit all over the place and and it seems like because then it seems like even the the people themselves like you said Brian Kerwin you know wasn't joking about it but then John Ashton his quote is the movie is about special effects and Kong and about jeeps blowing up. So like clearly he didn't take it all that seriously, right? So like like you said, nobody it seems like nobody knew what the what they were going for. Yeah. But um I I, th- I think I think too it's like it, you know, one thing we don't talk about with movies is it's easy to say, you know, especially in like more in the modern era blockbusters, it's easy to say, Hey, just check your brain going in the door and all that. But people really didn't have that mindset back then, like and, and just in general, 80s films in general, even the quote-unquote serious ones, were far more campy than films made today. So I think it took a lot of skill back then to make a movie that was believable and plausible, you know, to hold your attention story-wise yeah. to where you didn't think you was, you know, watching a piece of shit, but at the same time have that fun factor of a popcorn movie to make yeah, a hit. Yeah, it's easy to say we want to be like Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it's like, how many of them are can actually translate that tone off the page? Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't easy, especially back then when, you know, goofy movies were delivered a little more straight. Um, yeah. I should mention... Uh, John Gillerman, who directed the 76 movie, is back to direct this one, um, which uh, it, it, in the 70s, you know, he and Dino swore they'd never work together again. Uh, you know, he it, John Gillerman had a reputation of being very difficult to work with and very ill-tempered, and uh, yeah, they just butted heads constantly. Um, and uh, he... Uh, <clears throat> He the way that he got involved with this, he was he was making a novel, uh, an adaptation of the novel Tai Pan uh, with Sean Connery, and that movie's producer sold it off to Dino, and uh, he decided uh, he didn't want to make that movie, but in doing so, he kind of reconnected with John Gillerman, who had just had his his son had just died in a car accident. Dino also had lost his son, and so I, I think they kind of had somewhat of a, a bond there. Um, oh, we're coming up on, like, my maybe my favorite scene in the movie. When Kong <laughs> goes on his rampage through the, the airplane hangar, and you just get these random shots of, like, there's, like, hatchback cars in there for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, also, they, they didn't get John Barry back to do the score, but they did get John Scott, who has scored like over a hundred movies. I and like TV the I like the score. I think the score in this lie. is really good. I think it's one of the better 
elements of the movie, actually. Yeah, I, I gotta say one thing that kind of blew me away, because uh, I remember this movie being ridiculed a lot for, you know, how hokey it was and how hokey it looked. I was actually impressed with the special effects and miniatures of shots. Um, yeah, stuff like this looks good, man. It looks I... like, I, I mean, I'll be real honest, like to me, this, you know, looks better than a lot of stuff I see in big movies today. I will. Yeah, what was that car doing? The, the, the one that just crashed for no reason. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but, but I mean, the only thing that I'll scrutinize even a little bit is I'm a little bit more of a fan of the look of Kong and Kong 76. As yeah. a kid, uh, I don't know if it was the way the face was sculpted, probably, but it, or maybe the way he was puppeteer, but it, he had a much meaner uh, facial expression in, in the 76 film, which I like. Yeah, um, yeah, now, I mean, now is a, as good a time as any, you know, we're in the middle of a big effects scene, you know, now is as good a time as any to get in, into that. Um, they did bring Carlo Rambaldi back from 76, you know. Um, they did ask Rick Baker, but after his experience on 76, I think he was like, well, A, fuck you guys. And, uh, <laughs> and, and B, he, he, they, they, they asked him if he could play Kong and he was like, well, sure. But, you know, can I, can I make the suit? Can I, you know, do that stuff? And they were like, no. And so he was like, oh, well, no, I have better things to do, but, uh, yeah, that's that's they, that's pretty weird. After he makes American Werewolf in London and like sets the all time standard for special effects, pretty much they're like, <laughs> like just yeah. get in the shitty gorilla suit that we're going to make somewhere in the Philippines. Yeah, it's like, somebody else is going to make the suit, and yeah. you're going to play Kong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by then, I don't. I was Gorillas in the Mist before or after this? Yeah. I, anyway, by I then he in the Mist was like, eighty six as well. Yeah, like he made his name on gorilla suits and <laughs> yeah, just just getting this one you know um but it uh they they um they did to make the face uh go and this might also kind of explain why they're different they they actually were able to find the old molds from the 76 suit and and they they made the mask with those but because of like the romance angle and stuff, they wanted Kong to have kind of a wider range of expressions. So, so the latex they used was thicker mm. s because they wanted it to be able to stretch more. So that might be why it's a little different. Yeah, and I, and I won't even say I will say that the Lady Kong is like quite an active stuff. I was wrong. Uh, Gorillas in the Mist was eighty eight, but I'm sure it was probably on the okay. planning stages. Yeah. you know when this happened. But uh, but yeah, like it. I I won't even say that the Lady Kong is like bad bad. It's just to me like that's the design that's a little bit goofy facially for me because like she has these weird like scarred up eyebrow ridges that kind of don't work for me. Yeah, I wonder if they were trying to make her more like uh, I don't know, softer looking because yeah. she's you know the, well, the female or whatever. They definitely get where he has more black fur. She she definitely has more reddish brown fur, to, which I totally get to differentiate him. You know, you don't want to have the audience sitting there not even knowing which one is which. But I think her fur overall and everything just like and again like if I were to rate like like the Kong seventy six design I like a lot. I, you know, for a guy in a suit, I would probably rate that a nine out of ten. I would rate this Kong probably like a seven or eight out of ten, and I would give her probably like a six. Like it's not bad. Like I'm not complaining, but it's just hard when almost every shot it's next to a suit that I think is a little bit better. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
for sure. Well, <clears throat> look at these two. These two are miserable, by the way. <laughs> are they? <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, like, I don't know if it, I've just had a late awakening or what, but, like, watching this movie and some other ones recently, like, like I was, like, really, like, I don't know. Like, Linda Hamilton always kind of seemed like a B-movie actress to me when I was a kid. But, like, looking back on her, some of her work here, I'm like, she she had legit star power. Like, like yeah. I, I'm more, I'm just as much now, if not more, a Linda Hamilton fan than I was when I was a kid. I could not find her talking about this movie, like, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I know why she did it was, uh, supposedly, like, she was, she was, you know, it was, uh, Thinking it, she would be like, you know, the Jessica Lang and like shoot to superstardom. You know, people forget 76 was the movie that introduced the world to Jessica Lang. But but I, all I could find was uh, Bri- this quote from Brian Kerwin where he says, Linda Hamilton was a nice lady. I thoroughly enjoyed working with her. We were partners in our misery. But especially when things started going bad, she didn't want to be there and she made it very clear. She was in a real bad mood the whole time. So I do have I do have one quote from her, and it comes from Starlog Magazine, issue one thirteen. Uh, that, that's Wait, all we're that in I'm, Honeymoon Ridge now. That's all that I know that it comes from. And Linda Hamilton quote said quote I'm happy that I don't have to get picked up by the monkey and become the object of his desire. I save Kong, and it's nice to play someone who is not hysterical and dramatic and intense all the time. So. Oh, I found one where she said uh, uh, <laughs> when she first saw the movie, she laughed at how, like, silly it was. And then and with the, you know, the two apes, like, uh, you know, having all goo-goo eyes and stuff. And then she said it. But but the, as it went on, I, I was horrified by how stupid it was. <laughs> <laughs> Here we see, yeah. Here we're at we're at Honeymoon Ridge, where Kong is trying to win Lady Kong's affection with a snake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, this is so dumb. And, and I gotta say, I gotta say too, uh, you know, because I always thought this movie would, would be very laughable from a production design standpoint and stuff. And I was like, like in my opinion, like the effects and everything in this movie are pretty good about 80% of the time. Like as awesome as that hanger scene was like, this is like, like this is probably the most cringeworthy segment. Cause it's like the set looks a little bit off. Like this is like the first time where it's really clear that they're on like miniature sets or whatever, which then kind of draws you into, uh, and also cause, cause it's full daylight as well. The lighting scheme, but like it, it kind of draws you into more, like you're more aware of the fact that you're watching people in suits and, yeah, you know, the... This should have been a nighttime scene. I agree. 100%. I agree. Yep. And you look at that doofy ass Kong face. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he like grabs her ass for. <laughs> yeah, and like the it, it, like the, when I was watching it, like this was the point where I was like, okay, they're 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 kind of like humanizing them too much. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And we should say too, uh, which you'll find out when you see the end credits, but. Uh, these loving embraces between these man gorilla and woman gorilla, they were actually both guys in the suits. So Yeah, yeah. Peter Elliott and uh I forget the Lady Kong actor's name. And I, I'm not gonna lie too, like this scene where Linda Hamilton goes off road in the pickup truck, like this kinda 
it's kind of got my juices flowing. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a little bit of Sarah Connor coming in here. I'm like, this part. Yeah. And it looks like they're really getting their uh, spines readjusted going up that hill, <laughs> bouncing everywhere. But this, this is one thing I wanted to uh, ask you guys about, and I think you know about this better than me uh, with the history and kind of stuff, but. Like I said, like Kong 76 was like, you know, a f- fairly regarded from what I remember as a youngster as being like a legit blockbuster film and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like this was this, you know, and I don't know if it was a combination of Godzilla 85 coming right before this or what, but I, but in my opinion, and it's sad because I like the genre, but this is the first time in my memory I started feeling like people were mocking uh, a film that had you know like the guys in the suits kind of thing because mm-hmm. i don't really remember anybody mocking 76 for it but this was the movie where people kind of took aim of like oh uh, and maybe it was the love scene type you know storyline but like like at least for me this is like kind of where people started that i remember joking making fun of a guys in rubber suits and i this never remember that before like you, you might be onto something with I mean, like, the Godzilla movies, as they got lower and lower budget, like, by the time the 70s movies came around, you know, American critics were always kind of talking shit about them for that, for that. But as far as, like, American, you know, uh, I guess kind of big, (laughs) big big-ish monster movies, yeah, I mean, you're probably right, you know, you never heard that about Alien or anything like that. Not to say that, you know, the... (laughs) <laughs> the monster suits and this or any or the cinematography or anything is is close to alien but yeah I, this this definitely didn't help <laughs> yeah because i mean and honestly too like i remember you know i can't remember exact year it came out but like another film that was really popular and maybe it got less criticism because it was aimed for kids but I like I remember like it was perfectly fine when Baby Secret of the Lost Legend came out and when you watch that those effects compared to this movie those Baby Lost Legend effects are terrible of the little yeah. dinosaur like honestly I loved that movie as a kid but looking back like and I don't really remember anybody really ridiculing that where it's like yeah this was the first movie where it's just kind of like you know like it was kind of shamed and hokey and I feel like that's maybe why at least on American uh, you know soil the genre kind of started to go away for a little while until like really, I guess probably like Jurassic Park brought it back when people are like, yeah. Oh, the CGI. Oh, wow. We'll be so creative yeah. with this. Yeah, no, th- this definitely set things back. And I mean, like I said, a lot of it is just, like I said, like no one knew how to play up that script and, you know, the production was difficult. Um, you know, I can I can kind of get in. We talked about just <laughs> how miserable these two actors were, but you know, I can kind of talk a little bit about just what the filming was like. You know, um, you know, John Gillerman had seemed like he'd mellowed out, you know, after losing his son, and you know, but once they started rolling, you know, a lot of his old habits came back. You know, he's just as ill-tempered as ever. Uh, Apparently, at some point, um, folks in the uh, the art department made like little rubber figures of him, and every time he would like have an onset rant or meltdown, they would hold them behind their backs and like twist them until he stopped. So this guy basically, <laughs> but, uh, when he was directing the movie, he had his own voodoo dolls. <laughs> <Come on>. Yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah, he, he just as the shoot went on, he got more and more erratic. There were days where he'd leave for lunch and just not come back to work. And, you know, they'd have to finish the, the day without him. Uh, eventually, he just walked off the production. And, and the movie was actually finished by um, a different director who was uh, uh, uncredited named uh, Charles McCracken, who was uh, a 21-year-old documentary filmmaker. Um, and he's the one that actually finished up the the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have another quote from Brian Kerwin here that says, uh, we knew halfway through that this was going badly. We all just hung in there and half-heartedly did our best. They kept talking about how they were leaving the doors open with baby Kong so they could do another one. And that made me laugh because none of us wanted to be there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Baby Kong is a little interesting. Like I watched this movie by myself, but, uh, I made my fiance come in the room the next day and say like, I got to show you baby Kong. Cause I wanted to see a baby Kong with cat, uh, you know, uh, pass the cuteness test. Cause like the biggest star in our household is baby Yoda. Of course. So I was like, how is she going to react to baby Kong? Not <laughs> a reaction at all. Cuteness. No, he didn't pass the cuteness. Oh. She's just like, Oh, he just looks like a guy in a little smaller gorilla suit. Poor I'm like, I'm like, yeah, baby Kong. They didn't really imbue him with like two babyish of attributes. Honestly. I have some stuff to say about baby Kong, but I'll wait. I'll He's wait not as him. cute as any of the various baby Godzilla's. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait for baby Kong to, uh, to show up if I'm before I start talking about them. <laughs> but but I gotta I gotta say like this scene of the uh, gorillas interacting grooming each other like see this played better to me and I think part of it was you had like the kind of like the sense of wonder that uh you know the two uh, human characters had of watching them so like you kind of this feel is a better this is a better scene than whatever the hell that was like like <laughs> like like honestly i think you i think you really could have cut that other scene because we're kind of like getting the similar vibe here and it comes off way less hokey to me it's also yeah. a little more i mean it, it's still obviously very very anthropomorphized and it's very much guys in suits but like it's got a little bit more of like natural animal behavior you know as opposed to like reaching around and, and grabbing your ass while you're getting you know your, your wound <laughs> tended to and ass, like, yeah. like that kind of like it's it's got a little bit more like oh she's she's cleaning him and yeah. It's it's less it's less hokey. Yeah, I agree. It's still it still hits that scale, but <laughs> Yeah. I know we were talking about budget earlier, but yeah, I I'm, obviously this was made with like a fraction of the budget for seventy six. Um and uh, before the uh before they even started they lost because they were they were gonna raise two hundred million of, of I think 600 million was the budget and 200 of that was going to come from, uh, you know, uh, tax, tax stuff and changes in tax what? shelter Pesos? laws. <laughs> <laughs> where, where were they? <laughs> Wait, what, Bird, where, where are you getting these numbers from, man? Because, like... oh, I mean, I meant to say, I meant to say, tw I meant to say, <laughs> I meant to say two, not two hundred. I'm so yeah. used to talking about new stuff. Yeah. The budget was supposed to be six million, and two million of that got got. Yeah, this cost like as much bird. as Avengers Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like literally like the biggest movie studio of all time would have went out of business paying for a two hundred million dollar movie back then. 
like like you guys probably don't remember this because you're a few years younger than me but i remember when james Cameron was making a terminator 2 and first the budget went from like around 60 ish million to 80 and then 90 and 100 like they were like it was like considered the worst movie of all time it was gonna be the next ishtar all this bullshit because like they're like they're, it's financially impossible to make the money back on a hundred million dollar movie and instead the opposite uh proved true like it like it kind of showed like oh like if you have a movie people actually want to go see the more money you spend the more people will go see it two three times whatever gotta say this is not man. the best seduction scene man you're you're linda hamilton and you're hot off of Terminator. Yep. And Dino De Laurentiis comes to you and says, I need you to show some titty in my big ape movie. <laughs> Which, this, would, this would be a movie you would not be able to survive as an actress. Uh, you know, like in, in 2020. But, but by the way, it's just like it's one thing for like to sneak in, you know, some nudity and something like the Terminator. It's an R-rated film, you know, only adults are going to go see it. Like literally, the whole plot revolves around conceiving this future leader. But when like you're getting some like we got to see some tit on some PG, aim squarely <laughs> at kids King Kong film. It's like yeah, this took me by surprise the first that time. That would I not happen it. today. Oh, there no. it is. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, changes in the tax shelter laws prevented two million from from being raised, and uh, you know that is you know so obviously it's cheap. Like earlier, we we saw you know when Lady Kong has her entrance, you know the Brian Kerwin just kind of like falls on her. <laughs> and she like you know gets up she he was originally supposed to like fall off a cliff and she was going to catch him and and all this so it, you know we we didn't get that um you know a scene of kong's body being taken from the world trade center site um so there was some stuff that they just didn't film because they didn't have the money the 76 movie squeezes in a little bit of nudity too, or is it only the that one like promotional skill uh, still rather? It's more the that promotional still, but you know, there's some kind of, it definitely, it, it definitely gets very risque. You know, another thing that I think makes the, both this and 76 kind of weird with the Kong scenes is that, for whatever reason, they shot them at normal speed. You know, usually when you're making a giant monster movie, you shoot the monsters at half speed to make them feel bigger. Like even even with, you know, characters like this, you know, think about King Kong Escapes or War of the Gargantuas, you know, and even though they're, you know, ape or ape like, you know, they, they still feel, you know, like these massive lumbering beasts. Hey, is that uh, uh are we getting a. Uh cameo a little brief cameo appearance from the the giant uh full size the robot robot that they made in the <laughs> from, last movie it's no like, that that thing was that thing was long dismantled by by now I, it, the, the 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 giant robot kong that they spent like a crap ton of the budget on 76 making like that only shows up or something yeah, they don't, it only shows up for a, like a split second because it couldn't function properly. Yeah, by this time that thing was like 
It it looked like that was it laying on the ground. Like no, by, by, same... by this time that thing was like doing like it was showing up in like circuses and, <laughs> and stuff in, yeah, in, yeah. In, and like, like, scene, traveled around in, in like Argentina. What what that is actually that that is a uh, that is just kind of a, a big inflatable the body. <laughs> okay, because it it had the same like wonky proportions where like the legs yeah are too small. But, anyways, <laughs> uh, I, I wish I would have dug it up and found out the the scoop. But somebody put up like a Instagram type thing. Have you guys seen it? Like supposedly somebody claimed it was at an amusement park in Belgium or somewhere. There's like a ride with a, a full size King Kong that actually was picking up the train car that the people were sitting in. It was insane. I've never seen anything like. I did it. hear about that. It looks yeah. super dangerous. Like I'm like, how can it take the train car off the track and hold it up like that? It was crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I heard about that. Um, speaking of the Kong suits, go. You were asking about like maintaining it and stuff, which I, st- yeah. you know, I still don't know. But uh, apparently, these suit actors, uh, every day of shooting, they lost about seven pounds in water weight. Wow. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, like I mean, you guys know more about the history too, but I, I've always heard the insane like things of you know how much water weight the guys lose and stuff. Like I almost yeah. would think, especially for long shoots or films like this, where there's an insane amount of shots, like, I almost would think that you would need multiple people to do the suit stuff. But yeah, that 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 doesn't seem to ha- like here or Japan. It doesn't seem like. They did that a whole lot. They just yeah. had one one maniac <laughs> in, in those suits. Speaking of, because I know it's it's not a giant monster or whatever, but uh, what's your guys' uh, take on the uh, the suit version of Cujo from Stephen King's Cujo? Uh, I feel like I, we I, see it. We don't see it. I I think that they probably did the right thing in that we don't see it very much <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. at the same time i, th- I think i think it's a, a good my problem with cujo as a movie i mean there's i've got a lot of problems with it um because i'm a huge stephen king fan and you know it it the the movie loses a whole bunch of subtext and all kinds of subplots and everything from the book but um is in general like for the for the most part, like it's this really friendly looking dog that they just slapped some mud and blood on, you know, yeah. like it, it's this it's this really kind, friendly looking St. Bernard pooch that you just want to like scratch his ears. And they like slapped a little bit of red paint on his muzzle and they're like, oh, he's rabid. And I'm like, well, doesn't work if he's not growling and snarling, you know, so I think I think the puppet for that and the and the suit for that is is uh, sometimes occasionally like a better solution to having like this dog who's like this nice dog trying to pass him off as mean you know yeah because like especially a lot of the car siege at the end where he's ramming the car and stuff obviously you can't get a dog to do that but uh like even then i just never questioned it as a kid like it it was literally like probably about 20 years after the movie came out i saw the photos online of the guy in the suit and i was like damn like i never knew I don't know if it's the rain or the wind or what, but it does not look okay <laughs> on the on the, it's, the, suit, the the Kong suit here. Well, even on the like the regular actors, it's like this is the most insane whipping wind I've ever seen. 
<laughs> yeah, right? Where did this storm come from? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome when he jumps in the river, though. But, uh, but yeah, like, I feel like, and you guys, again, you know more of this than I do, but I always feel like water is the hardest thing to replicate on a kaiju film uh, when you're talking about practical effects because, like, you literally can't replicate, like, okay, like, we know how big a raindrop is in real life yeah. in relation yep. to I, us. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that, yeah. But, but it's, like, literally, like, even though they're soaked, he probably wouldn't even be that wet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. That, that's one thing that... uh I thought was fascinating about uh, Guillermo del Toro in designing Pacific Rim and, and is that he said, you know, one of the advantages of CG and, you know, obviously I think even he would agree, you know, suits and miniatures is the way to go. But uh, one of the advantages is that you can reflect that scale with, you know, CG rain, you know, right. like when you look at Pacific Rim and you see the Jaeger coming out in the rain, you know, yeah, it, the it 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 looks it looks right. <laughs> yeah, it looks good. Yeah, and not only not only that, but like the the dangers of working with water in these suits is like off the charts. Oh yeah, um, these guys are know, always these... almost drowning. And <laughs> yeah, they can't you know because the suit doesn't stay in place as it starts to get more wet because you know it starts to get weighted down. It slides around and. <laughs> You know, then they they can't see and they can't breathe and like I mean, yeah. There's there's a million different stories you can read about about guys who almost died or, uh, you know, had to be pulled out of pools and and given CPR so that they choked out a bunch of water and stuff, um, from from pretty much any kaiju movie that that was foolish enough to use some water. Yeah. Which happens to be like all of them. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. So I guess this is a good enough time um, to talk about, uh, like, is it good news? I want to know all your guys' opinions for being hardcore fans. First of all, we got uh, Kong versus Godzilla finally. Um, it's going to be because, you know, modern times, it's going to be a home video release pretty much, let alone they're bumping it up even closer. I think just yesterday uh, they went from a May release to a March release. Just what are your guys' thoughts on uh, just in general, specifically Kong versus Godzilla coming out the way it did? Um, I think once Wonder Woman was announced as going to HBO Max, I think everyone kind of saw it coming. Um, you know, I, I think I think the bigger problem is just, you know, the way that Warner Brothers handled that whole situation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, the release is whatever. I mean, that's just how a lot of movies are going to come out. You know, I'll, I'll probably catch it at a drive in at some point. But, you know, I, I can't say my my first time will most likely be HBO Max. Um, uh, my thing is more, and I'm hearing things about a, a trailer maybe dropping extremely soon. Uh, but my thing is more with that specific film. Um, just the studio just seems to have kind of a, a utter lack of confidence in it. Uh, not only is there no trailer, but you know they they just moved it up to March, which I mean. Usually that's like kind of like a good move with theatrical releases, but I don't know. There's just something about it that just kind of has a just get it like done, get it out, get it changed the release date. On yeah, that. but it's some, something about it just feels like they're just like, just get it out, just get it done with. Let's just get this over with. 
kind of thing. So I, I mean, I think that's, that's like, there, it's probably a, a rights thing. And, a, you know, I mean, cause we, we know the rights are supposed to revert back to Toho. Um, but to answer goat's broader question for myself, this, the whole Godzilla versus like the whole thing has, has been surreal in a way. I mean, if you had told me, uh, back when the 2014 movie was announced that it would do well enough, uh, just on its own, that Legendary would acquire the rights to Kong, make a Kong movie, and then that would also do well enough that we'd get a Godzilla versus Kong. First of all, I'd have been shocked because Toho tried to make a Godzilla versus Kong two or remake, or they they tried to do that because it's it's their most well attended movie in the history of their studio or at least Godzilla movie. Yeah, Toe uh, have been trying to get the rights to do another Kong movie for decades. Very long time. Yeah. And so I would have been blown away by that. And then just to to have it come out in the way that it has where like I just don't give a shit. Like <laughs> just get it out and get it over with already because yeah. I'm just I'm done. Like it it blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh. By the way, uh, I might be a little ahead of you guys because of this pal version, but the sign behind Linda Hamilton and her, I guess, boss or whatever, as they're talking, it's, it's like military something primate holding division. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> How do I work in the primate holding division? Oh my gosh. Um, I, you know, just to piggyback off what Bird said, like I think the the bigger issue is how Warner Brothers basically was like, "Hey, Legendary, we're gonna drop this on HBO Max," and told everybody the same day, and also blocked a potential deal that that was brokered between Legendary and, and Netflix for pretty considerable chunk of change, especially for a movie that you know is not gonna make a bunch of movie or make a bunch of money at the box office. So they blocked the deal, and you know they were rumors and reports about possible litigation. So the fact that they moved it up and it's only two months out, it's kind of, as Tom said, very surreal, but like, I'm kind of with Tom in that this is, I'm just like not genuinely excited about the movie. And I'm sure if, and when the trailer drops, like they're going to have to release a trailer at some point, but whenever that happens, like maybe that'll pick back up. But like, it's been moved around so much that if it didn't come out, I don't know that would feel much different which sucks to say about my favorite franchise but like i don't feel much anything towards it except apathy at this point yeah uh, just just to get get back to what's on screen for just yeah, a minute what's up with this what, what's up with this frog that's like watching this he's, why he's is a, this he's a voyeur why are we watching this from the point of view of a frog yeah we should say for people not following along with the dvd godzilla is hungry he's in a swamp kong king, king kong king kong yeah <laughs> He uh, he he uh, he picked up what was a real baby alligator. Insert cut to a full length alligator, then cut to him eating a bunch of rubber uh, alligators. <laughs> and and for whatever reason, it like a hundred going to reaction shots from a frog. Yeah, like the frog was like, I can't really believe what I'm seeing right now, <laughs> and it's amazing, but yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, like I'll be completely honest. Like I kind of like lost sympathy for Kong because the baby alligator was so cute, like the real one that they showed at first. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, uh, like, like it's different when you see King Kong 
kill an enemy who's on his own whatever, you know, territory or whatever, then he eats them or whatever. But when he's eating babies, like, come on, man. That's like uh, that's like Baby Yoda <laughs> eating the egg. I ain't down with that shit. No, but 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 for me, and and I totally didn't even like you know really like need a Godzilla versus Kong thing. But to me, it, it, what's so weird is it seemed like in my mind the way they've been approaching it, it seemed like Godzilla versus Kong was the only reason like kind of Warner Brothers wanted to get into this thing, you know, with these modern yeah. movies. And uh, yeah, so it's weird. Like me personally, and obviously I'm not as big a fan as you guys and stuff, but. Um, you know the modern thing i, I was like kind of lukewarm on godzilla 2014 i love skull island i loved uh king of monsters and then like this one like i was all about it you know like when i when i walked out of the theater for the last movie and knowing that it was built into it but it's like me personally i just and i and i understand from a business sense we don't know when the world's going to get back to normal but i would be perfectly fine waiting a whole nother year i mean i Granted, I'm an old man on patient, but I would wait two years, and I just rather have the movie be a big event, be you know what I mean, like a big yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think all of us are probably on the same page there, and that like at some point the constant, like I mean, so many fans are frustrated with the delays and like whatever. I get it, you know, you're looking forward to something, but like at some point it just kind of became funny, and. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm so used to this movie being delayed. Yeah, if it takes another two years or whatever, like, okay, you know. I, it's, I, it seems like it became funny to Legendary, too, because <laughs> they did, they've they done a few things that have been wild on there. Like, like <laughs> they, release, they release, like, a new banner, promotional banner for the movie, like, every couple of weeks. And, like, fans will be like, how about a new trailer? And they'll just then retweet that with a different banner um <laughs> they they tweeted out something with like a for christmas that had like a godzilla footprint on the on the christmas tag and then like an hour later erased the the godzilla footprint from the christmas tag and retweeted it out like it it feels like they're trolling people at this <laughs> point like <laughs> there's a commercial for the action figures that's out oh, like a, a toy commercial that, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> there's no trailer. There's no trailer for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which, but yeah, I mean, it, it just became one of those things like you're just so used to getting delayed that you just kind of laugh at it and it's like, well, I'll see it when I see it, you know, but, but I am with you in that. Yeah. I mean, what goat is saying, you know, he wants it to be like a big theatrical event and what Tom is saying of like, yeah, like, a, this is something that should be that be historic really and we're all just kind of like well we'll see it when we see it and it, we're gonna watch it on our tvs it's very it's, it's, it's a very strange yeah it's a very strange feeling well i i know there was like like you guys know about there was like the whole rights thing but like to me like i think part of like what was so weird was they had to rush it so much because like okay like I, like to me okay godzilla king of monsters came out 2019 if they waited like you know what i mean to like 2022 to put it out to me that's still a like a normal respectable wait time for a sequel to a big franchise like i mean they they only make like during the daniel craig era they they really only made those movies about every four or five years and nobody really complained like oh it's taking too long oh you know what i mean so i don't get why every sequel has to come out 16 months later now 
<laughs> just like, well, yeah, we're. I mean, we're we're used to coming up when what was it like the Star Wars prequels was what three years, three years between yeah. like that that seemed that was normal, you know. It was this here we get into some of the scenes where it's like okay, I, the, this is clearly written for for the yucks. Yeah, <laughs> Look, like like I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like when they just Kong is just rampaging kind of, and like they just cut to like this guy trying to get laid with his girlfriend on the couch. I was like. You know, like, like this was a tonal shift in the movie to me. Yeah, it's like, what movie is this? Yeah. <laughs> this is the same movie. I mean, you got the dude driving his motorcycle between Kong's legs. Oh, yeah. That, that would be, like, the last place you want to drive that motorcycle. <laughs> you see, he yeah, just looks was... sad and confused here. Like, yeah, he's like, what is this? Like, like I, I kind of would like it better if, like, the, he reverted more to, like, the 76 version where he, like, you know, he's just mad now. Yeah, or like, yeah, or like the, the, the 30, the 33 Kong who, you know, rampages through the, the little village um, after he breaks through the wall and is picking up people and eating them and stuff. Yeah, he, he doesn't, he shows up and everyone screams and runs and he's like, oh, all right, see you later. Like, <laughs> And I think that's a piece of, you know, uh, all all these kaiju movies and franchises and series end up doing this eventually, I think, is is you realize that who's going to go see your movie is kids. And once you come to that realization, uh, you you stop portraying the monster, which is who the kids are there to see as anything other than, you know, a, a good guy. Right. And so instead of having Kong causing havoc just because just because he's a monster and, and he could still be sympathetic because like he doesn't he doesn't know where he is. He he doesn't belong there like he should have he, he should have a never come to America in the first place. But B should have died after he got blown off the Empire State Building and they gave him a fake heart like uh, it's not his fault. He can Thinking still the World Trade Center. Yeah. Yeah. But he he could still he could still rampage and and kill things and still be sympathetic. But once once producers and directors start realizing and making these movies for kids, you take the the monstrousness out of the monster. Well, that, that goes way back. I mean, look at yeah, you know, Ghost of Frankenstein stuff like that. So yeah, and like this is almost like a weird thing where like. I don't know how much was reshoots or just problems with productions, but like, yeah, like along with the kind of goofy tonal shift, like like this green screen and the plane and stuff, like like <laughs> this is kind of like the point in the movie where like the the effects start getting a little more on the iffy side here and there. Yeah, this guy can fly now too. Like it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Mary Sue. <laughs> he can do anything. Looks like he's about to crash. Jesus. Oh, well, that's some real stuff. That's for sure. But going back to the modern King Kong thing, uh, because I I know like they were rushing Godzilla versus Kong and all that kind of thing because the rights were reverting back to Toho. But like, was there a reason why they just couldn't extend the deal? I mean, like, what is Toho really going to do with the rights? You know what I mean? I don't know. From what I understand, all it, it was more of just like, uh, like there were time frames where they couldn't make a live action movie, and uh, but yeah, I I don't know, I don't I don't know that that has much to do with it, you know, I like when they 
announced the monster verse as being a thing in like 2015, 2016 or whatever, you know, the, the, even then it said in 2020 Kong and Godzilla will, will fight. This is probably, we're getting into my favorite stuff in the movie, which is Kong versus the, the rednecks, the rednecks? Yeah. by the way. But when, when, when Kong comes up here on the rednecks, did you guys notice Kong's actually been crying? Like his, his, his face, yes. is, he's got tears <laughs> running down his eyes. You miss Gotta say, thing? these rednecks are, uh... They're ruthless, else. yeah. The boulders are good. The the little... Yeah, this is a good good bit of effects here, honestly, I think. Yeah, I thought they did the smart thing, too, in trying to slow it down with a little bit of slow motion as well. Yeah, here we, here we, yeah, we actually have some stuff at the right giant monster, uh frame rate or whatever yeah <laughs> filming speed yeah he's just taking them boulders on top of the head too they should have done like a big rubber one that just like knocked him out <laughs> did uh we so for people that don't know there's a goofy action comedy from the 90s produced by john woo called the big hit and there's this whole subplot about mark Wahlberg's character having an overdue VHS of King Kong lives and the video store keeps calling and harassing him. Did he get this far in the movie? Do we know? <laughs> well, like when you watch the big hit, like you think it's a thing, like they're making fun of because the guy's constantly calling, Oh, you got our copy of big King Kong lives, whatever. But like when he has the girl hostage and stuff, like he actually puts it on to watch. So it's like, I always thought the big hit was kind of making fun of King Kong lives. But he actually really likes the movie. Yeah. Like, so, so is he watching it multiple times? Yes. Is that what your takeaway yeah. is? Okay. Yeah. Because he so does, Melvin's smiling. Because he, he, he doesn't want to. He even calls it his King Kong Lives tape, and he doesn't want to take it back. <laughs> and I mean, there's actually a scene where, like, it, you know, spoiler alert for the big hit. But I mean, come on, it came out like 24 years ago. But, but there's actually a scene where he risks his life as a car is like coming down to run him over the bad guy. Like he drops the tape and he has to run back to get it and jump out of the way of the car. Like, so he risks his life for that King Kong lives tape. Whereas like, if he didn't have any affinity for it, like, yeah, I think he just would have left it, whatever. And there's even the thing where, where his, um, like, cause he has like a mistress too, who's like always bleeding him dry of money and stuff. Well, like she steals a briefcase of money, but then she wants the King Kong lives tape too. So, I mean, how would she really know unless they were watching it together all the time? So, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. As everybody knows, straight Jack and saves you that mad cream. <laughs> so yes, uh, any King Kong lives fans, who like action movies there is a, a a 90s film where there's a subplot all about king kong lives vhs and hey if you're a if you're a, a rick baker uh apologist and if you're rick baker himself you can take some solace in that this is one of the movies that bankrupted dino de Laurentiis. um that's that's it, it was uh it was a flop it made like four million dollars on a twenty million dollar budget. Yep. Um, although, oddly, it says it 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 found some success in the Soviet Union. Um, maybe that's because of this these sequences that we're watching here, where the all Americans are depicted as redneck hillbillies and then get eaten by Kong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I love this though. Kong looks great. The 
you know, this is great where he snaps the guy in two. Yeah. Uh, this is just all, th- this scene is just pure Kong awesomeness. Yeah. There's, there's some, like, is... a little bit of gore there too on the doll baby yeah. where he snaps the guy in half. Yeah. This yeah. is the part that was like imprinted on my, my childhood brain that I would always replay every time I wanted to go rent this to Blockbuster. Like, I want to see that sequence again. These guys just, you know, they, they had it coming. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that they, uh, I mean, not that they, like, you know, made a fortune or anything, but I have a hard time believing that they didn't at least come close to breaking even on this movie with video being in its heyday back then. I think they did. I think it's just that in its, in its initial run in the U.S. and Canada, which, you know, it only made $4 million. I think it ended up making like 40 worldwide so it you know it kind of broke even type i of love thing. this i i do love this where he the picks the guy's hat <laughs> out of his teeth yeah this is a Come little on, campy yeah i love it the I, rampage what, movie what I'm even says that, now obviously yeah. we i can't remember i i was one when this movie came out, um, everything says I'm seeing like it had a really bad advertising campaign that yeah. that basically just sold it as like, oh, it's King Kong again. Like everyone, like yeah. when it was the advertising campaign, basically just kind of sold it as like, hey, it's it's like people thought it was going to be like another another remake. Yeah. Well, also the uh, the the cast didn't do any press for it they they tried to get brian Kerwin to uh to do the talk show circuit for it and he was like well can i see the movie before i go on like these talk shows and talk about it and they were like no it's not done yet and he's like i'm pretty sure it's done that doesn't make any sense like i'll, I'll do it but i want to see it first like i want to see the movie i'm talking about and they were like uh no and then and then he and then he just was like, okay, well, I'm not doing your talk shows. You're not like. <laughs> and then he said he saw it with an audience, like when it came out, and he was like, yeah, it's yeah, it's as bad as I thought it would be. So like, here's the story point we got to talk about, and I'm curious what you guys have to say because I found this a little bit odd. In all honesty, is um, you know, the one story plot we didn't really talk about is like the reason Linda Hamilton is chasing King Kong around with this artificial heart uh she's got this box that's supposed to send like a radio signal to his heart to recalibrate it so it'll beat like the right amount of times or whatever basically function the right way she needs to reset it so they need to get close to him and they need to send this signal to his robot heart and all this and like you know she's trying to do it right here and like the machine's not working or whatever and then kong's coming and they have to jump out of the way real quick and kong smashes the box so i i thought that was a very strange uh storytelling choice that you know however long where you got left in this movie let me see like we still got a like a good 25 minutes left of this movie and they're just telling you right here that the main character king kong is for sure going to die in this movie i found that like <laughs> kind of odd and it kind of like sapped for me like some of the drama out of it you know what i mean well especially because he he also doesn't that's also not really why he dies (laughs) (laughs) so it's very yeah 
it'd be like if Very in Godzilla strange. versus Destroyer, where, where which that movie is all about, Godzilla's gonna melt down, right? His 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 heart's gonna go out of control. He's gonna have a meltdown. It'd be like if if that movie ended with like with like them shooting Godzilla into the sun, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> why? What? Yeah. Why? Why build? Why spend so much time on this if like the reason Kong dies is gonna be because. Uh, general kill is gonna just you know shoot him with a bunch of tanks like um while we we're kind of you know we're not really we're we're in between action scenes uh uh i kind of want to go around uh, and ask what everyone if anyone remembers the first i mean goat obviously will but anyone else remember the first time you saw this movie I don't. I. I. Uh, I've had this movie in my life just, just always. Like I had it on a VHS that my dad taped off of HBO or Showtime or something like that when we had a free preview of it. Maybe Stars that I just, I had forever, and I always watched it. I watched. I watched this, the '76, the '33, and like four or five different Godzilla movies. And those are like the only movies that I watched. And the 33 that I watched was the colorized one. Um, oh, here we've uh, Kong taken out some, a yuppie, uh, a Ferrari. like steps on or these yuppies yeah. car. Yeah. yeah. He just steps on a toy Lamborghini for no reason. So <laughs> I don't, I don't remember the first time I saw this, but I do remember that like when I was a kid, I would, you know, pretend I would like watch this movie. And like, I had like, alligator and snake toys and i would pretend to be kong and like you know put the alligator tail in my mouth and walk around you know so like would you pretend to be hit with a golf ball (laughs) (laughs) this is like we had kong with uh and rednecks now we got kong and like rich white people (laughs) it's matt what about you what you no, I, was, I, mean, I was just uh, gonna say, I'll, I'll just to interrupt Matt for a second. It's like it's like you get a lot of the, you know, we talked about some of the abandoned ideas for this, and it's like you get a lot of them just kind of shoved into this, right? Like you get a lot of the the the. It seems this it starts to feel in certain points, like especially that one, where this is like, they they took a bunch of the scripts they had and kind of smushed them together. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I uh, much like you, Tom. This is a movie that I, I grew up with. I don't know the first time that I saw it. I just know that it stuck with me, especially the the, the sequence at the ridge and Kong snapping the dude in half and then biting the guy's head off. And I remember as a kid thinking like how awesome that was. And so it was a movie that we rented pretty frequently, and and one that when it would come on TV, I would always sit down to watch. And so. I don't know. It's just it's one of those things like I, I have a bunch of nostalgia for much like, say, Godzilla 1985. And I, I'm sure I rented it a ton and that my parents got sick of watching it. But like that's what we did when I was a kid. We watched monster movies. And so, you know, it, it's it's a movie that I look back on with a lot of fondness even now. And like for all of its uh, inherent campiness and weird choices and tonal shifts like. I, I just get a kick out of the thing from start to finish. And and I, I still do. And I watched it like what yesterday and I'm watching it mm-hmm. again tonight for the, <laughs> for the commentary. Um, 
I remember my first time watching this very specifically. It's probably because of the circumstances around it. Were you having um, a birthday party themed around it? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so uh, gee, it was around the time I was like getting into kaiju movies. So, you know, I was into Godzilla and King Kong and all that. And um, uh, so, yeah, that would put me around second grade ish. And. I remember in the morning, my my grandpa dropping me off at school, and when I closed the car door, it slammed on my finger, and it I, I it it was like one of the most painful things <laughs> I've ever I've ever had to deal with. Like I can still remember like the pain in in, in my finger, and um, and so I. I wasn't going to school that day. Like I was too upset. I, my finger was like, felt like someone had, you know, put it in through a blender. Um, and so my grandpa was like, well, I was going to the grocery store, you know, go to the grocery store. So, so we went to Meyer, which uh, we have them up here. I don't know where they are in the rest of the country, but it's like a Kroger kind of store. And, um, uh, I don't know about you guys. Go, you might remember this. Do you remember when grocery stores had like you could rent movies from? Them? I do. Yeah. Like, yep. like yeah. E- even as late as I want to say, like ninety eight, ninety nine ish, I was renting movies from a Kroger because it was the cheapest place. Because I normally just rented catalog titles anyway, and I yeah. want to say it was like a couple bucks to rent them from Blockbuster, and like I just only needed it for one night, so I would go to mm-hmm. the Kroger and like I rewatch all kinds of great shit, like The Thing. There's like one summer I. I rewatched, I think, Scarface, The Thing. Um, I saw a couple of Jackie Chan movies that came out, as well as newer releases, of course. But, like, yeah, like, I, I actually really loved uh, the. There was a. We had another chain in the Cincinnati area called Thriftway. And uh, when we were living with my uncle and aunt while our new house was getting built when I was like around 11 ish, they had one. And you wouldn't believe it, but for a grocery store, video store, I rented for the first time ever, I rented Dawn of the Dead. The video dead and chopping mall there. It was awesome. Yeah, I remember Thriftway. Uh, yeah. you, know, you never went to Biggs? Like I, we did a bunch of our shopping yeah. at Biggs, and like they had a huge video section there. Yeah, I, 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 I think the only Biggs I ever went to was Forest Fair Mall, and that yeah, was like, that's, I live like ten minutes from there still. Oh, awesome! And yeah, like very rarely. And then the one in Harrison, Ohio, we went to Biggs all the time. But by the time they built the one in Harrison, they didn't do the video store thing. Yeah, I worked at a video store when I was in my early twenties. I worked at a Hollywood Video off and on for two years. It was pretty dope. It just didn't pay anything, unfortunately. But you know. <laughs> but yeah, well, I rented this from a Meyer grocery store, and I also rented Mothra. And I can't remember if I rented them. We rented them both at the same time. But regardless, I rented King Kong Lives from there. You know, took it home, watched it. You know, and you know, got all got all comfy in the couch for a, you know, hey, I'm staying home from school day, and and that was my introduction to King Kong Lives. I think, and you know, as a kid, I liked it. Uh, and um, my grandpa was awesome. You know, he was like a tech savvy guy. So like whenever we rented movies, he would do the two VCR setup and, <laughs> and awesome. dub a copy. And I still have that tape. Uh, um, and yeah, I, I think, I, I think even as a kid though, the, this was the, 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 the amount of blood in it was 
like really surprising and you know as a kid I, i'm thinking i'm seeing like some hardcore <laughs> like <Yeah>. gore fest <laughs> and, and, and that coupled um, with the linda hamilton titty shot like when i watched this you know as a grown man in my 40s two months ago whatever i was like this actually kind of like you know appeals to an adult audience as well yeah um and, and then yeah the, over that's the, the trick years, of a lot of a lot of movies in this genre i mean um arrow video recently put out a, a an excellent excellent set of uh the gamera movies and in in some of the extras on that um noriaki yuasa who's the director of those basically flat out admits that like he's got a lot of shots of like not nudity, but he's got a lot of shots of girls in bikinis and, you know, looking at looking at nice legs and shapely girls and stuff like that. And yeah. he's like, he yeah, said he, yeah, he said like, he, who he goes, was who goes to, to these movies with these kids as their dad. Yeah, he was, <laughs> said he was trying to keep their da- the dads from, you know, from falling asleep or whatever. <laughs> um but yeah, you know, throughout the 90s, though, I mean, that, that would put put it at around 92, 93 when I saw this. Um, but throughout the 90s, this was a movie that I remember, you know, it would be on TV, you know, uh, TNT used to run it a lot, you know, Monster Vision, it would show up on USA. Um, you know, the VHS tape was in every video store I went to. And yeah, and then uh, I guess... I guess it just, for whatever reason, it it didn't really live much further beyond the 90s. Like, uh, the DVD that I have, uh, it has a 2006 date on it, so I'm assuming, you know, it was probably put out around the time the Peter Jackson movie came out, and... um, and, you know, I, that DVD is long out of print. Uh, no Blu-ray anywhere, I don't think. Um... And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, this movie was always kind of the redheaded stepchild of the Kong movies. And Kong has a lot of redheaded stepchildren, like son of Kong is, is, uh, King Kong escapes this, you know, they, they don't have the best reputations, um, which depending on the movie earned or unearned, but, um, you know, King Kong escapes used to be the one that you couldn't find anywhere. You had to wait for it to come on TV and, I don't think that got a U.S. release, a legit one, until only a few years ago when Universal put it out on DVD and Blu-ray. And now this one is the one that, like, you can't find anywhere. It's never on TV. There's no, you know, in-print uh, copy. And, yeah, you, you think someone would have put this out, you know, when Skull Island came out or this year with the new one, Uh it's weird. Even seventy six isn't on Blu-ray here. It has a Blu-ray release in some other countries, but um, but yeah, this this movie has kind of become almost like the lost King Kong movie. And yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's always kind of sad when you see that happen to something that you used to be just be so common, you know, when you were were younger. Yeah, this used to be on TV a lot for sure. I I mean. Like you said, it, it it's weird. It's weird to think like, you know, there's there's definitely movies that that I saw or have seen, you know, as a kid that, you know, well, I haven't seen that movie in a long ass time. What happened to it? And like, you're like, oh, it got like some jank ass 50 movie pack DVD release. And like, that was it. But like, 
at the same time, those are movies that like you got lucky to see because you happened to be awake at 4 a.m. or, you know, like you're you happened to to rent it or something because the box art was cool. I mean, there's like but this was like a uh, this is a an A list property for sure. I mean, Kong is uh, is a is a cultural icon, um, and this movie was on TV, and it was it wasn't like it was the redheaded stepchild in terms of reviews and things, but it wasn't the redheaded stepchild in terms of like let's pretend it doesn't exist, you know, um, and to, to have it just be like it it's yeah you can't. I mean, it's not a hard movie to find, but like to not be able to to even go onto like Amazon and be like, I want to watch King Kong Lives and like be able to buy a, a even a DVD of it. Because if you want the DVD of this thing, it's going to cost you upwards of sixty five bucks. This guy is awesome, friend. by the way. <laughs> Dude, he's awesome. It's, he it's, looks like is it uh, Mr. Jiggles or whatever yeah. an aqua from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> we uh, we should say this scene is like there's like a legit WWF style hillbilly gym hillbilly hoedown going on. It's, it's yeah, it, yeah, we 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 went from the the country to like the rich part of town. Now we're back in, now we're just in like this rural farm <laughs> area. I don't... And yeah, it's, it's gotta be a rights thing that like, we're just not totally familiar well, with. I, right? I think Lionsgate still has it. I think they just don't care. You know, Lionsgate is infamously careless with their, genre film catalog this was on uh, vestron video um this was on their streaming service for a little bit and and for a while i i had kind of hoped that oh maybe this means vestron will, will do a blu-ray release but uh nope i didn't even know there was a vestron streaming service yeah it's kind of like a tubi kind of free thing yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There must be some weird thing because also too, like another one is um, Del Dino De Laurentiis was that movie Trick or Treat with the the rock and roll horror movie with yeah. Gene Simmons, like which I've I've seen horror people start talking about that a little more. Yeah. I don't know if it. it hit I don't like know a, if it got a, a release somewhere soon. Oh it, yeah, here here's just more gore. Right, yeah, like really bloody. Like it's funny too, though, because like the machine guns look almost like they're like smoke machines. <laughs> they just look like yeah. they're shooting smoke. There, up. We're, we're coming rough, up on um. The there's some rough and... uh, compositing shots in this, like in the earlier part where they're shooting at him, and like they're they're not even shooting at where he is. Yeah, um, yeah we're coming up like though on. Right. Um, this is something I didn't notice when I was a kid, because you know what I, you know, you don't pick up on the sillier things. In some of these movies, until you're old, see him as an adult. But uh, the villain, John Ashley, he's he's been this cartoonish military colonel that just wants to kill Kong this whole time. But uh, his death is just amazing. It's glorious. <laughs> yeah, we're we're coming up on it here, and I just I it's like we need to kind of stop all conversation to just relish this. <laughs> what, yeah. What, 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 <laughs> so yeah, Kong picks up the tank he's in. Uh, throws it. We and and here he's kind of getting up. Throws it and... into a graveyard. Yeah, yeah. Why is there a graveyard <laughs> next to? Because the hillbillies, they just have everything all in one place. They have squares. dances next to graveyard. Hillbilly graveyard. Yeah. 
But yeah, okay, so he's trying to shoot Kong. You know, it's a pistol, so it's not doing anything. Kong's all pissed. And he's going to smash him with his fist in a few seconds here. And I just, I love, I just love this. Because watch when his fist comes up, his, <laughs> like, his, his legs are like. <laughs> oh, yeah, legs, legs sticking, sticking out of the ground. His legs are sticking up like it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon or something. <laughs> They're like straight up, too. They're like. <laughs> Like there's no bend in the knees, nothing. <laughs> yeah, when I when I watch, because this is a movie that like after you know once I grew up like I didn't come back to this really until probably around the time Skull Island came out. Like that was probably the first time I saw it in at least a decade, and like yeah. that's one of those things that I just I oh my god I, the, when I revisited that scene I could not I I just lost it. <laughs> And then we have, uh, yeah, so Lady Kong's in labor. Kong is loaded with shells and, you know, he's uh, in his dying breath. So, yeah, the whole heart, smash heart monitor thing doesn't. Yeah, I mean, when he matter. was just going to get shot anyway. Like, And, and, and we're, we're about to see baby Kong. Yeah, he's oh, about I, to there, Yeah, but he's. He's crying. I, the, my subtitle said "Baby Kong crying." And, so. le, and let me tell you, the the efficacy of the score here. When I was a kid and I would watch this movie, I would get choked up. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Least, I'm not going to bullshit you. I got choked up watching for the first time recently. So, um, I, there they they built three Baby Kongs. There was hmm. the first one they made, which they thought looked too cute. Yeah, and then. I don't when remember. You see it? The very first shot you see of it, that little when it's in her hand, it yeah. looks like a Funko Pop. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, that's clearly a different version than what we see come out later. Yeah. So, so maybe that first version would have passed the cute. The, that the, was the, the Baby Yoda, yeah, the Baby, baby Yoda Kong. Test. Yeah, the Baby Yoda test, maybe the first one, and then, and then they wanted, yeah, they wanted something that I guess looked more. I don't know. Which real or whatever, I don't know. Which I gotta say, this is the one time I won't complain that they overly humanize the animals. Is like this is clearly a scene of of Kong wanting, like you know, in a human type way, wanting to see his son before he dies. Like it's clearly, yeah, yeah. That I feel like in general, giant monster movies have kind of done that pretty well. Like you know, there's a lot of scenes like. Son of Godzilla and stuff like that. You get these tender scenes. That what was, what was the gestation of this baby Kong? He was like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I just thought of this the first time. He was like conceived and born in like two they days. A, they do a one, time skip in the movie. Yeah, one oh, thing I didn't. Okay. One thing I I didn't comment on while it was happening. We were discussing something else. Is you go from that the moment when Kong jumps in the water and everything before that. It's it's definitely. Um, late summer, early fall type of season, and then you go into the next the next sequence, and there's there's um there's snow on the ground outside. Okay, you can only just barely kind of see it, but there's definitely snow on the ground. And then now here we are, and there's no snow again. So the the movie handles it poorly, but like we've gone through months worth of time actually. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, this is you know the the reason I keep bringing this up. This scene might seem silly to some people, but if this was a Japanese movie, everyone would be like, "Oh, it's weird. of course yeah. it's weird." It's ja- like, it, it, <laughs> it, I, of course I, I it's guess weird. the reason that sticks out to me so much is that even among like 
Godzilla fans and Kong fans, like this movie has a, that very bad, sour reputation, and it's like this really isn't any dumber than well half the shit we ever. Yeah, I mean, I I'll refrain from going off on the tangents of other film franchises, but I feel like with like with like film franchise fans, uh, especially like you know, kind of things that are kind of made fun of anyway. When you have that one entry that gets made fun of by the normies so much, like I, I really hate that this happens, but I feel like the fans kind of turn on that Adopt movie. It. Yeah. yeah, they kind of turn on it, and they're like, they kind of throw it to the wolves, and they won't stick up for it, and whatever. I'm not gonna lie, like I think this is actually a good scene. I think even the special effects are good. I just think, really, just the facial sculpt, sculpt of Baby Kong should have been more babyish, more cute, mm-hmm. almost more like a a baby chimpanzee type face or something than like your, or, or I should say, baby gorilla face it just it, it that moment where kong is looking at him and crying it's kind of weird that the daddy dying kong is cuter than the baby kong you know <laughs> <laughs> well in some alternate universe that isn't just the worst i'm sure there's a deluxe like scream factory blu-ray of this that where we can see outtakes of all the different <laughs> baby kongs or something <laughs> you really just needed like bigger cuter eyes right like, right i mean that's literally all it would took in to have take, yeah. Well, you you guys will be happy to know that uh, before this movie even came out, Dino being yeah a, a, a crazy person um, had plans for uh, for Baby Kong, um, a live action movie. Uh, I, this is more rumor because I can't find the source of this information, but the, the, there's a rumor at least that there was a follow up movie where Kong would have a teenage son, <laughs> which is Baby Kong. So you'd be a teenager, and he would be afraid of heights. <laughs> and then the the teenage girl that he had a crush has a crush on would get kidnapped, and he would have to climb the Eiffel Tower and. Uh, <laughs> And overcome his crippling fear of heights. Um, I'm not. Even more I'm not going to lie. I would watch it. Oh, I'd watch the <laughs> hell out of that. Even even crazier. And this all this this came closer to happening was uh, Dino struck a deal with Filmation, who you know in the '80s did like every action cartoon, He Man, and uh, all that. Um, for uh, Kid Kong, which would follow uh, be an, a cartoon, a Saturday morning cartoon about. Baby Kong, who would be human size, and for some reason, I could not find an explanation, he would have the ability to either turn giant or shrink down to, like, the size of a mouse. (laughs) Um, And uh, Dino and some of the producers wanted him to go to different planets, so he'd go to, like, an ice planet or a jungle planet. Um, They also wanted him to shoot lasers out of his eyes and turn invisible. Of course, uh, <laughs> he's born with X Men powers. <laughs> and uh, I guess, I guess the, some of the filmation guys talked them out of that. Um, the villain was going to be uh, a hunter with ties to Petrox, which was the oil company from the '76 yeah. movie. Um, and uh, yeah, he would have a. There would be a, a submarine made out of coconuts called the Coconautilus. <laughs> um, oh my god. It's all crazy, but a series Bible was written, and there, there's a concept art, um, some of which I think for the first time was published by uh, our friend John LeMay, who did a, a book all about the Lost Kong movies, and um, one of the, the artists on that like 
wrote uh, an essay in that, that book and shared all of his concept art, and it just it looks insane. Um, I also have an essay in that book, by the way, just if I could plug it. Donk. But. Please plug it. Let let the let, I I love to hype you guys up, and you guys are always like, no, no, no. I called you guys show an award winning show, and you corrected me. So please, finally hype yourself <laughs> up. Don't 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 be modest. But yeah, the the book is Kong Unmade: The Lost Films of Skull Island, and I have an essay about the making of the Lost World. But yeah, that's where some of that crazy Kid Kong stuff is. Um, and yeah, I did the, 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 didn't even, it didn't get far enough to even get like an actual episode or storyline written, but there's, there's a lot of art and stuff that was made for it. I gotta be honest. I really actually like the way this movie ends with baby Kong swinging on the vines and all that. Like I thought it was actually cool just to kind of end it on them, you know, just showing yeah. that they escaped or they let them free or whatever happened. So that's King Kong lives. Uh, you know you're you know you're in a movie when the uh, two suit actors get get billed over you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know who's important. So uh, w- one last question I wanted to ask was because uh, the movie's coming to an end here. Um, there's obviously been way less King Kong movies than there has been Godzilla movies. So there's like a much shorter list of kind of like whatever. But what's your guys' uh, fa- like what movie was your guys' favorite version of the character? Uh, I mean, I always go back to the 33. I mean, just that that is King Kong to me. I mean, there, there's been the Toho versions, which I love those two movies, but Kong just looks terrible. Um, I mean, there's 76 in this, you know, 76. I've never been a huge fan. This is, I like his more just a goofy dumb stuff uh the jackson version i do like i think the first hour though you could trim to 15 minutes and have a a way better movie um and then you know i really liked skull island but to me it's like that stop motion willis o'brien like that is king kong to me and and i think that there's something about that version whether it's the stop motion the way that O'Brien animated him or whatever it is that just, I like it more than any of the man in suit versions. I like him more in that than, you know, any of the CG versions, you know, I mean, Andy circus, Rick Baker. I mean, I mean, those guys did like amazing groundbreaking stuff on with, with the character, but like, it's always, I go back to that original recipe, King Kong, like that is King Kong to me. I echo like 90% of what you just said. I mean, it, it for me it's about the original. The uh the the you know, the the Toho ones are awesome in their own right, but they definitely yeah, there's something about Kong in them is is definitely off. Um and uh yeah, the the, the Jackson one, I think I think the Jackson one is one of those it, it needs trimming everywhere. It's not just the last hour. Um, but if you could, and, and it wouldn't even be that hard, you could trim an entire hour or more out of that movie, bring this thing in at, uh, a, a trim like hour and 50 minutes and you would have something very, very close, if not almost on par with that original. Um, because the one thing the Jackson movie brings into it that is a little bit missing in, the uh, the the thirty three is that kind of sympathy for Kong, despite some of the things that he does. Um, but 
No, it's it's about the original for me. Um, it's just the well paced. It's it's in very many ways a perfect movie, and then when you get into reading about how it was done and things like that, and realize that these guys were inventing how to do things on the fly, it becomes a, a marvel in addition to being just a really fun, good, tight movie. Yeah, I mean, I hard to disagree with anything that <laughs> Tom and, and Bird have said, but the originals is, is one of the best, mo- I mean, one of the best monster movies ever made. And the, the character, the characterization of Kong and he's absolutely terrifying in that film. Uh, one thing I appreciate, I appreciate about King Kong escapes is the, the sort of this introduction of being really sympathetic towards Kong between the, you know, the female character and Kong himself, which I did get a kick out of, but I don't, I don't think, I mean, you're not going to top the original film. And, um, I appreciate Skull Island. Jackson's film, um, kind of lukewarm on it has its merits but like it's overly bloated for numerous reasons and i think that's a a a big downer but i i I think you know you can't go wrong with the original in fact i watched it with my son recently and he really liked it and he was glued to the tv from start to finish and like you know he's six so like that movie still holds and and captivates uh even now And and i i just it's a great movie yeah, like it's really hard for like really hard for me because there's always, there's like aspects of them um, that I all like honestly really like. Like I never had real attachment to the Toho versions because like I would just see parts of like Godzilla versus Kong or whatever on TV and like to me I could never get over the design being so different and like at least in my mind like it never it's awful yeah yeah, well, it's, it, yeah. it's like it's to me it's like a giant ape but it's not really King Kong like it just there's just like a weird disassociation to me. Um, like I said, because the time I was born at, to me for a long time, Kong seventy six was Kong. Like I identified that face and the shots of him walking down the the streets and stuff. And then like when I got older and I saw the original King Kong, like it was also around the time where I was like getting into just really like I mean I'm just a sucker for anything stop motion. So like I love I love the the giant like wide eyes of the original King Kong, and I love always seeing clips of it. Um, and just like ironically like as much as i'm not a fan of a cgi like whatever i think it's way overused i love the peter jackson king kong like i thought it was like awesome like the character itself like i know a lot of people have uh problems with the movie and it's pacing or but just the character itself i loved it and then it was like well I that's i mean that, i mean people say things about you know motion capture acting but but that is like a pretty that's a real performance for Andy Serkis. Oh Circus. yeah, for sure. And just uh, you know the scene where he snapped the T Rex jaw like that blew me away in the theater. Like to the point as long as that movie is like I went back to see it a second time in the theater. And uh, but I gotta say like it, this just totally could be just the latest and greatest whatever leaving an impression on me. But like I really. I guess maybe not having high expectations of it or something. Like, I was really blown away by the way Kong was portrayed in Skull Island. Like, I was like, you know, it's only, like, whatever, 10-something years, you know, 10 or 12 years after the period. Like, what? how is it going to be different at all And it's Skull Island? But, like, there's something about the Skull Island Kong. Like, I love his body gestures and, like, the way he walks and shit and, like... I don't know, like, it, that's why I'm really looking forward to the new movie, just to see that version of it again. 
But uh, yeah, so like in a weird way, I think maybe Skull Island is my favorite Kong. But it's it's just it's hard to say because like I love them all so much. I mean, the only one I really don't have much of an affinity for is um, King Kong Lives, and I like King Kong Lives. Like it, it very much could have been just me going in with the lowest of expectations, always hearing how shitty this movie was for twenty something years. But like I was actually this is actually a fun ride. Like other than like the movie kind of losing its storytelling focus a little bit and a little hokey things yeah. here and there. Well, like, I, I knew this would be kind of up your alley because it, yeah. it, it combines the absurdity of, like, a Japanese kaiju movie with, yeah. like, that kind of kind of almost sleazy, grindhousey yeah. exploitation of, like, an 80s action movie. And, like, those, those are two things that I think come together – better than anyone probably gives this movie credit for. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, I knew that's that's why when I, when you said you never saw this, it's like this is like a movie from your generation. Yeah. That <laughs> combines all these like tropes and stuff that you're into. Yeah, like I'm not going to lie other than maybe if I would have caught a few minutes of it here on TV or there, like I don't know if it was just lack of interest in me or what, but like I just don't ever remember coming across this movie and like I, like even in video stores I don't like I don't ever remember like seeing King Kong lives on the shelf and be like, "Oh, like the piece of shit i won't watch that like it was never anything like that at all it just was a movie that came out and kind of got bad reviews and like i honestly don't even really remember it being in the theater which is saying a lot because like we would go go every single week to the theater to see anything we could so like it just there must have been other shit out at the time or something because i mean i was definitely you know getting taken to see movies at the time this came out and this thing just stayed off my radar forever like i like i want to say like i probably almost completely forgot about the movie until the big hit thing kind of you know mm-hmm. yeah speaking yeah, of no, fun, this speaking is... of fun rides i lied my favorite version of king kong is confrontation the old <laughs> universal studios oh, yeah. movie ride that was the best <laughs> it's like like it, it's actually i i would i would well i wish i would have known but then again i was probably an adult when it all got ripped apart so i probably was too broke at the time but I wish I could have gone in like that and the Jaws ride were my favorites. I rode them over and over and like uh I got to go when I was about 17 years old and like I wish I would have known or gotten the second ch- second chance to visit the park and see all that before it all got destroyed. They have a con I mean like they have a, they still have a Kong ride but it's one of those like 4D whatever yeah. that is. I hate anything like a th- I'm all about theme parks and everything but I hate anything that heavily relies on video screens you know what i mean yeah um but yeah i i just i hopefully people will hear me out like you're not gonna i don't think any of us are gonna come out and say this is like a good (laughs) movie but no i mean but it's not the worst either though well yeah no yeah hear me especially like giant monster fans like who can watch like the most absurd Ultraman, whatever, and then like, oh, King Kong with a heart transplant, Pfft. like, <laughs> just listen to me. Like, I, I, I think everyone is, but especially like the kaiju fan base. I think this movie is due for rediscovery and reevaluation. Just again, go like I just said a minute ago. It's a Japanese monster movie wrapped up in an eighties American kind of B-movie, grindhouse movie, go in with that frame of mind. And, I mean, there are so many worse movies that 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 
people love. Like you said, like this dude, this definitely is not a flawless film by any stretch of imagination, but like, I think this is totally a movie where it's like, buy the ticket, take the ride. It's like, you know, if you're going to put this movie on, you know, you're signing up for King Kong too. It's like, I'll be honest, like as hokey as the heart transplant shit is. I mean, I actually kind of liked it, but like, I appreciate the time when a sequel had to be a sequel to a movie and not just like here's the title come pay us money to watch it because like the fact that they will sit here and i'm not shitting you in this movie spend more time explaining how king kong lives than sorry star wars will be like oh palpatine is alive we don't know how oh somehow yeah like come on dude it's (laughs) like it's like you know whatever low budget whatever like shitty level you want to put king kong lives on at least the storytellers respected the audience enough to be like well okay we're 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 bringing this character back from the dead we owe the fans an explanation at least you know the um yeah yeah i mean it's unfortunate that this movie just never it has never had a good reputation and it flopped and uh, in Japan, it flopped too. In, in, in fact, the this movie bombing in Japan stalled the Godzilla '84 sequel for a number of years. Um, but uh, there were two video games for it though in Japan, and um, Noriyoshi Orai did an awesome poster for it. He did a lot of the best Godzilla posters and. Uh, a lot of the best Star Wars posters go. You might not know the name, but I bet you've seen the the guy's Star Wars stuff. But Probably. yeah, he did an awesome poster for it. But but yeah, I mean the, this the the this this movie bombing definitely had a ripple effect that you know kind of led to the I guess the the drought of <laughs> these kinds of movies being made until like you said, go like Jurassic Park. Yeah, you know, and and you know it the. Godzilla, the second Heisei Godzilla movie didn't come out till 89, partially because, you know, cold feet from this. Yeah, and, like, I totally get it. Like, I mean, if you're seeing a pattern of similar films, aren't making money, and, you know, other than, like, the originals, you know, like, like the original King Kong, the original uh, Gojira, like, they all came from an idea to make a movie, and then it's like, you know, the money, whatever, created the remakes and the sequels and whatever. It's like, so, like, I get it. Like, you're not going to, like, you know, throw money down the toilet if you think people don't want this type of film anymore. But, uh, like, in a weird way, as flawed as the movie system is now, like, at least they're like, hey, even if it was 40 years ago, this made money, we can revive it. You know what I mean? So, like, I kind of feel like both King Kong and Godzilla, like, they'll literally exist in some form until we die. And, like, there's always that, like, there's always that, and you guys know this because you guys are fans of all this stuff, but there's always that death rattle when the current franchise is ending, and it's like, this is the last one forever. Yeah, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're moving ahead in time. Movie going is so sophisticated now. It's like, oh, really? Is it? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. There's always like the longest break for Godzilla was ten years, and the longest break for Kong was probably well eighty six. Yeah, probably this to Jackson. Yeah, it was. But yeah, I mean, it, it it is. It's also one of those things when like the new one bombs, everyone's like, we gotta go see it a hundred times. We uh, we gotta support it, and it's like yeah. guys. 
they're gonna be making these until yeah. long after we're dead. Godzilla and Kong ain't going nowhere. And, and I mean, like, I really, you know, not to make just excuses for never-ending franchises or whatever, but like, I feel like, in a weird way, is like there's there's things with environmental issues, issues with war, issues with weapons, like. Like, you know, these these franchises at their sillier times are kind of just made for kid matinee movies. But, like, they all have, uh, you know, whether it be the originals or whatever, like, they all have, like, something to say society-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I feel like you, you can always... It's like one of those things, like, the more things change, the more they stay on the same. I mean, the world is still on the the brink of annihilation now, just like it was. <laughs> the, to, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, when the original Godzilla came out. So, you know, in the, the original King Kong, even though it was from the 30s, that also was a cautionary tale about messing with nature and whatever. Yeah. But um, I think I think next we need to get Mighty Joe Young lives. <laughs> that would be well he never that. died so that yeah, would just no. be like he just, him he, just he'll be like chewbacca he just never yeah. he never dies he keeps going and going but yeah but that that was that was a lot of fun and um it was, was lo- long overdue and it, i don't yeah. know it, it just it it feels good to kind of like i don't know it always feels good to kind of like go to bat for oh yeah i mean a that's... movie like this that is an underdog to say the least the, the, yeah, that's that's literally the uh, the whole reason why this podcast exists. Like, and you know, and it, and it's like I I feel like because it's it's kind of weird too because some of our most popular episodes, weirdly enough, are the movies that nobody gave a shit about when they were released. Like, for example, and this kind of blew my mind. I looked a couple weeks ago. Our most downloaded episode of 2020 was an episode I did about the Poughkeepsie tapes, a film that wasn't even released. So, like, didn't I've, that like only like technically get actually released like within the last like five years? Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that that just goes to show you, like, how you said, like. You go to bat for the underdogs, and sometimes that's what you, that's what you know. Because let's be honest, there's a million uh, movie podcasts and, and movie podcasts that will tell you what's going on in the films today and all that. But uh, I think I think a big part of at least what we do is, uh, and what you guys do too, because you guys cover mostly historical things. Is uh, we we kind of fish in that audience that's like with us. We're like you know they not just for nostalgia purposes. But like they they want to hear stuff, get a second look, get a second chance because you know as much as audiences get it right the first time and they make something like Star Wars, you know, a phenomenon that there's also like a lot of cool shit that just slips through the fingers, you know. Yeah, definitely. So I definitely want to thank all you guys, and I know because of time zones, it's a lot later where you guys are than where <laughs> I am at. So thank you for staying up uh, again, Matt. And bird, you're gonna catch them on the kaiju transmissions. Like I like, you guys are more popular than I am, so I don't even. Re- <laughs> me plugging you would be like, I don't know, like Haritos plugging Coca Cola. Like it may it makes no sense, but uh, I'm always happy to do it, and I'm always happy to have you on. When also I, uh, I mean, if it's cool with you, we'll probably release this on our as on our feed at some point too which i'm I'm sitting on gorgo for us but we did put out the godzilla 98 one yeah um so yeah, yeah i mean by all means 
you get you, you guys did as much quote unquote work for this. Actually, you guys did more work for this than I did because I just watched it. You guys came up with the historical facts, and also too, it's it's uh, always good to talk to you guys. And Jelly, of course, is good to talk to you, man. It's like you know, it, I don't know. It, it, it's like it's weird, but like we pretty much all have known each other going on a better part of a decade. Like that just blows yeah, my mind. Yeah. So. Yeah, I yeah. Feel for like Matt for Damon and Saving Private Ryan now. Yeah, we <laughs> transform into old. Yeah. yeah, no. For me and Trev, it was uh, whenever you did that drag me to hell <laughs> DVD <Yeah. laughs> review, and then yeah, yeah within six months, uh, probably Tom, and then even with Matt, uh, I mean, goes back at least to when the first year of kaiju transmissions because we had you on for uh power yeah. rangers yeah and like, and like to me like matt's like the newest guy of the group that i know and i've still known him for at least probably close to five years so it's like you know what is time exactly <laughs> exactly we're immortal we're like godzilla we're immortal we'll be around forever <laughs> And, you know, there's something to that, too, because, like, when you hear, like, old, like, uh, directors or actors do commentary tracks now, like, recent ones, like, they still sound like they did a long time ago, uh, you know, unless they're, like, got heavy smoker voices or something. So, like, as far as people know, we, like, we could be sitting here when we're 60 and people, you know, it's just the same old shit. We're the same as we were, you know, <laughs> when we were 30. So, yeah. So, I definitely, I want to thank all three of you guys and, um. You know, it's been crazy. Uh, I'm in a very blessed and very fortunate position uh, doing this show now for five years. And, like, I constantly have meeting new people, getting new guests to come on and whatever, which is awesome. But then also, too, it, it, you know, it takes longer to loop around to you guys. So I definitely want to get you guys, I mean, on you know, on more frequently. So yeah, I, I, know, I miss you guys. Um, we mentioned doing guanji at some mm. point yeah maybe maybe we'll regroup for that yeah that's a good movie that's a good one yeah and obviously too we can do some non-kaiju shit because uh, oh yeah i mean the one one of my favorite episodes ever and, and i'll be honest i was kind of shocked that it was like not that hot of a download but i one of my favorite episodes we've done in the last five years was the big hit so yeah, yeah. I had a great time doing uh pieces. Oh, pieces <laughs> you, is awesome with you and Trev. Yeah, so. that might have been one of the craziest episodes we ever did, just because the movie was so whacked out. But yeah, <laughs> the pieces is crazy, man. I know. But yeah, it's it's easy to lose track of time because I because I there's episodes I think that I did like seven or eight months ago, and I look at the list, and I'm like, damn, that was two years ago. So yeah, so by by all means, you know, I got to do a better job keeping in touch with you guys and. You know everything, but it's just it's it's good. It's almost like a uh, like the old gang is back together type thing. Doing this episode, and I appreciate all you guys taking the time to do it and doing it for such a a wild movie. And we, I, I we like the listeners. I hate I hate to be like that one fan who like listener who's like like they like they probably love King Kong Lives and we mentioned it like two or three years ago and they got their hopes up and <laughs> <laughs> they, they they might be cursing us and like oh now you want to do it I've been waiting for two years now you want to come crawling back with your King Kong Lives <laughs> bullshit it was worth the wait it was worth the wait I think it was no it was a good I mean it also like like Matt said I mean we haven't podcasted in since November maybe mm-hmm. before that yeah, since it was mid it was mid yeah yeah and and yeah. so. Uh, 
you know, I mean, it's just been hectic with COVID and all the holidays and work and all that stuff. And so, like, to kind of to come out of retirement and talk about King Kong Lives. uh, No, I I, I totally Come off a hiatus with such a bonkers movie is kind of just like a just what it's like. Just with the the doctor ordered kind of exactly. <laughs> kind of thing. It's a nice way to use it. So anyway, Matt Bird Jelly, thank you guys so much. It was so awesome to talk to you again. And uh, yeah, everybody, obviously, if you like kaiju's, you're gonna go check out kaiju transmissions. Uh, if you if you're a kaiju transmissions listener who's migrating over to see your favorite whatevers, I hope you guys stick around because we talk about a lot of old movies on here. So yeah, and, and, and you have we, Trev on quite a bit. Tre- that's another thing too, is you know, and I guess, and, and, and I mean, even like the real old schoolers will know me and Trev for if, from If It Bleeds, but exactly. but Trev does a, a a a good solid amount of kaiju transmission spots every year. So I mean, if if anyone's coming from us to Movie Graveyard and you like Trev, I mean, he's he's uh, he's on here all the time. Yeah, he is. So I mean, definitely. And then, like, yeah, it just, I don't know, it, it's cool that we have this family that we can continuously cross over. And, uh, yeah, and, the, and it might take a little while because uh, I got some films I got to procure. So any Trev fans out there listening, we got a hot episode coming up real soon with Trev. I think you're going to like it. But, yeah, so everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, let's, let, let's get excited. We can't stand in the lines and be with the crowds and everything for Godzilla versus Kong, but let's, let's fire up our shitty Roku boxes. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's yeah. pop the popcorn. Let's, you know, let's, let's get wait, wait five minutes for it to buffer. And yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> go into this blurry, like YouTube look. And then exactly. Up and yeah. <laughs> and like, let's just blow it out. Turn the, turn, blow your speakers out when you're watching King Kong. Like, just do it big. <laughs> we'll do our best to, you know, keep them as fans, keep the momentum going. But anyway, guys, thanks for joining me. Everybody else. Thank you for listening. Always a pleasure. Awesome. And we can see you guys right. back here soon in the movie graveyard. Right. See you.